Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through. Dad's had three coffees today. Oh, Paul, it's two. It's, it's, well, the third one's so strong, it's echoing back in time and waking up even more. Dad's currently going through his case files, his notebook for the episode. Ooh, ASMR. So, uh, basically, this show, in case you don't already know, is about me, Paul Verhoeven, interviewing my ex-fireman dad, John Verhoeven, and Dad's got some incredible stories. But one of the parts of the fire brigade... That I don't think gets enough kudos, Dad, and that I think you'll agree. Paul, it's kudos. It's not kudos. Last season, you got wrecked over the coals for saying Memo instead of Memo. (laughs) (laughs) The Finding Memo memes were very good. But what I was trying to do is pay you a goddamn compliment. Oh, thank you. Because I'm trying to say that you were a ladder driver. Yeah, I was. And that being a ladder driver is, you know, kind of a big deal in the fire brigade. Huge, huge. Can you try and... Well, first of all... We wanted to talk this episode about ladder school and about what it was like to be a ladder driver. Mm. First of all, can you try and make ladders sound exciting? Because, ladders are exciting. Well, I mean, the phrase ladders are... Have ex- you ever seen in Asia, they use bamboo ladders? But did you? No, but it's exciting seeing guys use bamboo ladders. But you didn't, so it's not really... No, but I'm just saying they can be exciting. You're trying to claim credit for, credit for someone else's ladders. No, but ladders, they're an amazing invention. They... <laughs> They enable you to go from one floor to another. <laughs> it's stairs for when stairs aren't there. No, but I mean, it's it's like the wheel. I mean, I'm... <laughs> ladders aren't like the wheel. No, well, it's it's a significant invention. Sure. Imagine if the wheel was square. I feel like we've gone back too far. Mm. I feel like we need to start from. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, I think we should, what we should do is start with saying how excited we are to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for this episode on the uh, my time in the New South Wales Fire Brigades. What are you doing, Paul? Well, you just went into basically AM radio, like a Richard Mercer love song dedications. <laughs> you were flipping the book and squealing <laughs> before the mic went on. Now you've just gone, hi. Oh, um, yeah, but I didn't know we were recording. You do know we were recording. I know, I know. So, look, I was working at Manly Fire Station and how I actually got into ladder school. Like, ladder school is, I'm trying to sort of give an, an analogy. Imagine if you're in, I mean, I, I can't talk with great authority, mm. but it's like you're working for a certain department. You're in a career, but you really want to get to, say, if you're in the Air Force, you, you can be changing tires on a fighter jet, yep. which is, you know, a very important job. Mm. But in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, I want to be in the jet. I want to be flying the jet. Yeah. Or a gunner or whatever. Whatever. Something really exciting yeah but it's really really difficult like in the police force it was really difficult to get into the air wing 
Are you with me? Yeah, and you were in the air wing very briefly. I got into the air wing. Why did you stop being in the air wing, by the way? Um, not, believe- enough, not enough ladders. <laughs> B- believe it or not, Paul, yeah. this, this might sound really surreal and bizarre to the listener, but no matter what you do in this world, no yeah. matter how exciting it is perceived to be, uh-huh. eventually it becomes a job. And there's routine. Oh, and flying around Sydney in helicopters, believe it or not, mm. can actually be, dare I say it, I'd like to say boring. Perhaps not. that's not the best word, but it can be uneventful and, and, and monotonous and, and, and mundane. A bit rote because, you know, it's. I mean, it sounds like you treat jobs like the Borg. You know, you adapt and you have to change because you've kind of adapted to the, to the fun of it all. Mm. But in terms of, I think, I think what's happening here is when you say ladders, right? Yep. It's not the ladder that is the interesting part. It is the truck that has the ladder on it, which, because it has such a big ladder on it, is an intensely difficult, challenging thing to drive. Very, very challenging. But you know what? Why don't we start at the beginning as to how I actually got into ladder school? I would love that. That sounds great. Okay. So, I actually weirdly remember the actual day I was working at Manly Fire Station. Yep. And I was in the watch room Mm -hmm. because they had a watch room and it had to be manned. Yep. And a call came through from the motor school. Which is I uh, was out at Alexandria, mm-hmm. and um, so you, you know you I've discussed how you'd at the initial academy you'd learn to drive a fire engine and work the pumps. Yep, and then you'd learn all the firefighting techniques, and you'd go to a station, and you could stay at a station being a firefighter mm-hmm. and never specialize. Um, some might argue that being a firefighter is in itself a speciality, and I kind of agree. Yeah, but the ultimate in the fire brigade, from my perspective, and quite a few fireys um, back then and perhaps still today, is that if you can eventually get to be a ladder driver or a platform operator, that is really, really, you know, like if there's a massive factory fire and the media there and they're filming from helicopters and on the ground and you see these guys on the end of these massive, super high platforms pumping water mm. into big fires, sometimes for days, uh, you know, that's pretty pretty exciting stuff. But hang on, if you're driving the, the truck with the ladder on top... Mm-hmm. It's a crew of two. Okay. But what do you actually do once you get to the fire? Paul, we need to come back to how I... I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I'm really interested. No, that's cool. Yeah, okay. But um, what happened was the call comes through and they were actually asking for a particular firefighter. Mm. His name, like winning the lottery, had come up. And they were calling him to say, guess what? There's a spot for you at the ladder school. Now, what did you have to do to qualify for that spot? You had to put your name down. To be a firefighter was good enough to at least be accepted into, into the, the school. school. But it was there were probably, per annum, in yeah. Sydney, there might have been maybe six or seven um, vacancies per year Jesus. to get into ladder school. And how many people... Do people wash out? Was it a, What was the rate of people who actually made it through? No, everyone gets through. Okay. But you've got to get into the school okay. to then do this intense course, which is really, really full on. Mm-hmm. But they were saying to this guy who wasn't at the station, and I said, oh, you know, what's this about? And they said, well, he's we have a spot for him at the ladder school. Yeah. And I said, look, unfortunately, he's off sick and he'll be off for a while. But guess what? I'd like to do it. Now, was I feel it... bad saying that. Wait, hang on. You cut in line. I cut him. And I, and I developed a nickname. They were calling me Scott Bonner. Why? Well, that's the name or used to be the name of a motor mower company. Because you cut in. Cut in, cut the grass. You know, that's not a good thing. It was taken in jest. Was it? Yeah. Or were you regarded as a weasel? No, we had a bit of a bit of a laugh about it. Okay. But 
I managed to uh, white ant this guy. Jeez. So when he came back from annual leave, <laughs> that's so awful. Or sick leave or whatever. Yeah, he'd lost his spot. You and know, I think he lost his spot for about ten years. That's fucked up. You know yep. what's funny is in the um in the world of radio and television, they say, you know what, you're you're on breakfast radio. Why don't you go and take a take a break? You know, Christmas mm. break. Mm. You come back. And your job's gone because right. you, you stepped away. Mm. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe it was his fault. I'm trying look, to give look, you... Look, he and I, um, we, we maintained a good friendship. Okay. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. And uh, But look, I, I then had to go up to the station office and explain to him what I'd done. And I don't know if he was overly impressed. And it made it a bit awkward for him because he would then be two down on the shift. So, he had to sort of make some plans. But the thing is, I got to the motor school. And that's and, what's important. Yeah. And there were three of us in the entire school. Three um, firefighters. Listeners, I would like to know what you think of Dad's conduct, whether you think it was honourable. I mean, we've always tried to paint Dad as a semi-heroic figure. We've tried to deify him. And now we find out that part of his career was gotten through skullduggery. Yep. And Dad's fine with that, which is even more damning. But at the end of the day... Yeah. The fact is... That he ended up at ladder drive. That I ended up uh, at ladder school. Yes, ladder school. And that went for at least a month. And uh, the, the training involved in that was was incredible. What, what Did you learn things about ladders you never imagined possible? Did Paul, you... I'm looking at your face <laughs> and you want me... You... Paul? Did you soar into the heavens on a ladder made of gossamer? <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Paul? The thing is that it's, it's an intense job. Sure. And the training was rigorous. How many hours a day did they make you climb ladders? You don't know. Paul, this conversation could, could go anywhere, but I'm trying to sort of remain on track, so to speak. Um, but it was very, very, it was full on and it was exciting. We went well, to a lot of different locations. And we had to simulate a lot of situations where we would use the ladders. And what? the ladders can be used for so many different things that you don't think they could be used for. They can be used to right a car, for example, or to steady a car at, on, at a serious motor vehicle accident. Explain right a car. What do you mean? Sort of bring it back from on, on its side or on its back. You can actually bring it back. To on its four wheels with a ladder, with the, with a ladder, yeah, using ropes and and like, like a, in effect a type of a crane. Do you remember? So it's, it's it's my point is that it's relatively underutilized. There was a there's there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to the like the 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 candy fair to check out the new types of candy, and there's this stall where there's this guy with these candy lips, and he says they're the lips of a thousand uses, and Homer says, "All right, name some," and the guy says they can be used as a humorous substitute for your own lips, and Homer goes, "Go on," and he goes, "Hey, uh, I'll just be down here," and then he pretends to walk down instead of stairs and hides. Hmm. Now, I love that you're trying to say that ladders have. So many uses we couldn't even dream of. Are you sure that this school wasn't in the pocket of Big Ladder? Look, ladders have a primary function. Which is climbing, yeah. And also cliff rescue. Okay. And when you say climb, that's not actually what happens. What happens is when you rock up to a fire mm. or any incident, you have to firstly, like a crane, stabilize the uh, the actual uh, engine. Yep. So these massive... Uh, sort of stabilizers come out. I didn't know that. Four of them. Yeah. And then they go down and you have to sort of set the ground up firmly with timber and you can either lay blocks down, they call that pig styeing, and you have to make sure that the entire vehicle is um, horizontal. That's the right word, isn't it? Horizontal. Horizontal, yeah. Yeah. If you had a vertical fire engine, you'd be fucked. The ladder's Um, vertical. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the ladders to work. 
Now, you may notice if uh, the listeners have seen or next time you see ladders or platforms, you'll see oxygen cylinders or air cylinders because mm. sometimes the fireman, he'll put his breathing apparatus on. He'll then, whilst the ladders are still uh, stowed mm. or in the down sort of position, one fireman will assume the position of the operator. He'll sit on a seat with all the controls and it's really, really stressful. On top of the fire engine. On, yeah, sitting up on a, on a seat. And then your colleague yep. will actually crawl along and get ready at the end of the ladder, and then the ladders go up, then they go, well, then they do go to where they have to go, which can be to rescue people, might I add, from a burning building. So hang on, there's someone on the kind of... uh, The very end. On the ladder, and then the guy in like the gun turret position pulls a lever, and the ladder deploys with a man clinging to it as it deploys. Yeah, and up... This is a fucking episode of no, Thunderbirds. No, it's incredible. You don't actually think that you would get the ladders up, say, 11 or 12 stories, then you'd climb to the top. A, that'd be the most insane waste of time. Yeah, yeah. And the fireman would be fucked by the time he got to the top. And it's dangerous climbing. Dad, this was my goal here, was to find out how wrong I am about ladders. Consider hmm. me... And here's, here's a fun... I, I know I say, look, to, to all the listeners out there, I listen to my podcasts, our podcasts, and I hear myself talking and I'm acutely aware that I have a very limited repertoire of words and phrases that I use to, to explain exciting things. And I'm quite aware that I tend to use the same fairly narrow descriptive words. But if I say incredible or fascinating or here's a fun fact, these are terms that I guess you all know I use, but... Um, so one of the incredible things about being at the top of the ladders... Mm. Now, think about this. The ladders have not been deployed. They're in a horizontal position. You're leaning on all fours. Yeah. And you're thinking about the task at hand. And then they start to raise the ladders and then they extend the ladders. So you're going up, 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 say, 11 floors. Mm. Now, stand on the balcony of an 11-storey building and look down. It's it, fucking high. It sucks. Like, you jump off two storeys, you're fucked. Yeah. Three storeys, you're fucked. 11 storeys, you're custard. You're absolutely like in that some of those terrible stories from the police where yeah. you, your face looks like a pizza. Yep. That's on a good day. Yeah, mamma mia. So the thing is... Imagine as they're extending the ladder, imagine you're, one of the, the primary things you're thinking about is not getting any of your appendages. Which ones? Whatever. Schwanz? Caught. Sure. As the ladder starts to extend. I mean, uh, how dangerous is that? It's like being on, imagine being on an escalator, but they're just two strips of steel, like bars on each step. Well, the the thi- thought of getting caught, something going down. I mean, don't you ever catch escalators and worry about, you look down at your shoelaces and wonder, like that they get caught and it pulls your foot off or, you know, things, stuff like that. Do I worry about my foot getting pulled off in an escalator? <laughs> no, um, but that's okay. Anyway, I think the thing that would scare me the most is the fact that if you're in, you know, the little um, cherry picker thing where it's like a little, it's like a gondola. Yeah. Yep. Which I didn't use. But you know, that that is an enclosed space. Mm. A ladder, you can see through it. So- that's right. And it's incredibly, if it's windy, yeah. you are literally rocking now you need that flexibility if it was rigid like an aeroplane wing when i flew down yesterday i remember looking at the wing sort of flat almost flapping in the strong wind wait you were flapping or the wing was (laughs) the wing (laughs) it has movement if it is rigid it do you know what happens snap it snaps off and that would happen to the ladders if they didn't have that amazing flexibility and sometimes in extreme wind and get ready for this and here's something that not many people will have um seen Mm is that sometimes you need to attach two ropes to the top of the ladder, one going down to the left where a guy is holding it, 11 stories down, 
and another guy to the right to actually steady the ladder in extreme winds. I hate it. I mean, that's pretty fucked. I hate it. When you use a special safety line, you actually hook yourself <laughs> into the into one of the rungs and then you can hook your breathing apparatus in. Yep. Because you've got to be able to... Because you're fighting a fire, you've got a huge nozzle at the top. Yeah. Which will deliver massive water. How much hose are you... How, here's a question. So... Normally, if there's firefighters holding the branch of the hose um, and you're hosing down something huge like a factory, I know you mentioned in a previous episode... The branch is connected to the end of the ladders or the platform. Okay. So, it can be controlled by one firefighter. Uh, okay. It's affixed to the actual... Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I was asking. Yep. The other question is, what width of hose are we talking for a factory fire on an 11-story ladder? Probably around about 70 millimetres. I was going to say 70. A because, big, big hose. Because it's in, a big branch with massive... Uh, I mean, look at some of the jets of water they pump out of those aerial appliances at factory fires. Well, I was going to say last episode, I believe it was last episode, you mentioned uh, a station officer who directed a 70 millimetre pylon of water at an un, a, a barbecue. At a barbecue. Mm. And I was just curious as to which hose... Would same I mean, hose, but doesn't that tax the the ladder a little bit? Well, it gives it um, some um, structure. Well, you, you you know that um, <clears throat> Einstein's theory of ladders. No, the steer. You know the Einstein theory of equal. Oh, you know the Einstein theory that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So when you're firing a jet of water, mm. it, the the what it wants to do is push where it's coming from back. So that's why at a big fire where you've got firemen on a branch and they're they're delivering massive pressure yeah. on the ground, you can have up to five firefighters holding one branch. And sometimes with great pressure, mm. those five fireys can be actually leaning into the into the wind, so to speak. Yeah. To counter the extreme jet reaction, the forces being exerted by the water being propelled forward, which is wanting to throw the branch and yep. all the firemen backwards so i've seen situations in in training at the academy where you'd have five fireys and they were leaning almost at maybe maybe let me think probably 50 degrees angle crazy hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Which is amazing. You can can t- you imagine what happens if, if the fires all let go? Or if you turn the hose off suddenly, they'd all fall down. Well, they'd all fall down straight yeah. away, but that wouldn't be so bad. But if a few fires uh, were taken out, mm. there's no way that those um, firemen could hold the hose. Could hold the hose, and it's really, really dangerous. All right, so have you ever been to the top of one of these ladders? I d- we did it all the time. You personally? <laughs> of course. So, okay, so what I'm asking is you said it's a two-person crew. That's right, there's a driver. Yep. Always a driver. It's a two-man crew, so yep. you take it in turns. If you're the driver, you're going to be operating the actual... I've got photographs that we can post. That'd be great. Oh, yes, okay. Listeners, yes, there will be a photo on the Facebook page of Dad in the turret, for lack of a better term, the seat. Mm. And it'll give you an idea of how incredibly high, because we're actually on a cliff doing that. You were wearing some wraparound sunglasses, very mid-90s. Mm. Yep. And so the offsider, um, that's the person that will actually go to the tip of the ladder now, and fight the fire, or, or, or incredibly. Have you ever thought about... The ladders are used um, quite often to yeah. rescue people from burning buildings. So if you're in a building and it's on fire and uh, you, you know the lifts are destroyed, the fire wells are uh, full of smoke, mm-hmm. there are two things you could do. You can either make your way to the roof where mm, yep, it's not a great scenario. All the smoke's going up to the roof in the hope that you might be rescued by a helicopter. Mm. But it's very, very dangerous for a helicopter because you get incredible thermals created by the intense heat from the fire. So they might just say, look, it's, it, we can't do it. Thermals, you mean um, hot air that, the, would, the updraft. that would lift the helicopter out of the That's way? That's right, and okay. make it really, really dangerous. Yep. Um, and if it's in a high-rise area in a city, you've got the, the natural thermals created by just the fact that you're in a city. Right. Um, do cities generate heat? Well, no, but they generate incredible wind. How? You know how there are places in Sydney, I can think of a few, where you just happen to go to them on a fairly, fairly... You know, there might be a bit of wind, but in certain streets... Is that where you round a corner and suddenly you're in a wind tunnel? Yeah, that's it. Gotcha. But can you imagine being in a helicopter above that? Jesus. Because right? okay. you do get the updraft, so that's dangerous. So the people are running to the top of the building. But it's a natural... Um, you know, life preservation is a natural uh, phenomenon where, you you know, we all just want to cling on to life. But sometimes, uh, imagine the, the the incredible experience of looking out that window and, you're, and it, there's fire behind you. So you've only got a few options. In that case, you've got one option... Well, there's one option to stay with the fire and either burn to death or asphyxiate. Uh-huh. There's another option which is really, really depressing, which I remember watching with you kids during September the 11th. Yeah. I was watching people it was jumping a, out of burning buildings. It was a school morning, and uh, we'd been. You called us into the lounge room. I think it was a very, very early in the morning. You know, like 5 a.m. or something. And you called us out, and I think we all watched live mm. as it happened yeah so let's say the third option happens and that is that there is a ladder yeah. against the building yeah there is it's some... not against the building this is this, this is the thing it's not leaning against the building no way holy shit okay really? get ready for this yep yep the ladder sets itself up now being a ladder driver a lot of fires as we've explained to the listeners take place at night time so imagine you rock up to a fire in the ladders yeah one of the most important things you have to do because you have to get those ladders to work which means you've got to Elevate and extend with your mate on the end, mm. but you have to be very aware of... What do you think you have to be aware of at night time when um, you're setting up? Uh, and you might not necessarily see these things. Oh, It'll uh, fucking kill you. 
What? Bats? It's power lines. Power lines. Okay. So, so deadly. Sorry, I didn't mean to imply bats would kill you. So, can you imagine you have got metallic ladders yeah. and you just arc <sighs> them across all these yeah. wires? I mean, it's not a great scenario. I mean, here's a, something that just occurred to me. I know that, obviously, with a lot of fires, it's the job of the firefighters to make sure that the power mains are out so that the... You're not cutting main main power like that. Aren't that's you? Not, that's not going to happen. Okay, okay. You're, you're punching through live wires. Now, generally speaking, the, the vehicle, yep. the fire engine, is going to be insulated. Why? Uh, so it doesn't... No, no. Well, I mean, in terms of it's on four watt. That's four rubber. Oh, is it? Four wheels. Oh, right. <laughs> but guess what happens? What? It's not on four wheels because you jack it up on these massive That's right. steel yep. massive pads. Mm. Well, all of a sudden, the pads are on the earth, if yep. it's, say, bitumen. Mm. So if you do touch electricity, the electricity is going to do what electricity does. It's going to run and try and find the earth. It'll travel through the fireys, mm. through the engine. You're not insulated. You're not because you're not on four wheels anymore. You're on. It's all metal to and, earth, and you're fucked again. And, and there's water in the tank. And which... there's and you're full of water, so you're fried. Now, so that... you have to consider that. That's one of the most dangerous things about. And on top of that, when you look up, what can you see? You can see people leaning out of windows, screaming. Yeah. They're about to either jump or, or burn. So there's a lot of a lot of adrenaline. There are red lights flashing. There are blue lights flashing. There are <clears> there are fiery zambos. Police, it's it's on for young and old. There's, there are people that have got out of the building that are screaming. They might have relatives. There are people on the, on the balconies or, or in the windows screaming. And you then have to calm down. You've got a hook up to your oxygen or air, compressed air. Yeah. You've got to go up and you are going to rescue those people from a burning building. Now, here's the thing. If you come at these people from below and they see you, mm. what are they going to do? Jump. They're going to jump out at you. They're going to lunge for the ladders because they think we're saved. So here's what I would guess you would do, given what you've said, is you would probably, you would be away from the building and then you would approach the building straight on. You're almost right, but you actually approach from above. Oh, really? You have to protect yourself. You have to protect the ladders. Okay. And I've seen photographs of ladders in America that have completely collapsed and buckled by people jumping out onto them. And trying to grab them. Trying to grab them and... The entire ladder collapses and every single person dies, okay? I've seen photographs of it and it's pretty fucked up. And that was one of the key things we learned at ladder school. Yeah. So you approach from above because if anyone's going to lose the plot and they're going to try and jump out, they're not going to be able to hang on. You don't want them to be able to hang on. You need to be controlled yep. and you need to come in and talk to them. It's. I mean, imagine the stress. Yeah. You need to come in and you can only take one, one person yeah. and you've got to somehow or other get them across. It's a precariously dangerous, high stress, high danger, high risk situation. Yeah. It's full on. I hope I'm painting a vivid picture it's to the listeners. It's very stressful. And then you've got to then, and they're incredibly, they'll just wrap themselves around you and then what will happen is they'll probably freeze. They won't let go. Now, yeah. what you'd like to do is to get them to slowly walk down, climb down the ladders, mm. and then come get down to safety. You're not going to repeat that entire process per person. Per person. You are going to get one person, and they they might have to sort of slide over your back and look at... Oh. I'm getting a weird feeling, because I have a, like a slight vertigo. I'm getting a weird feeling in my basically my groin right now. The feeling I get when I stand at the top of an observation point at the Blue Mountains or whatever and look down, the idea of having to 
when I'm, it's dark, I'm frightened. The idea of having to climb down eleven stories of ladder is honestly, I think I'd, I think I'd shut down completely. Yeah. Well, you're pretty right. However, Paul, you'll also feel really fucking great. Yeah. That you're not melting. So you think the relief would override? I think so. I think that 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 primal desire to get to ground. Interesting. Will will overtake everything? But look, the 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 fireman up there. Yeah. Is having to control a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, God. How are they communicating with the ladder? Because that's 11 stories down. We have a, a loudspeaker. Oh, interesting. And okay. you can talk straight into it. Yep. There's no on-off buttons. It's live. It's mm. it's constant. So, that the, the, the ladder driver who's sitting down, you know, 11 stories, mm. he is listening to the incredible commotion going on. And, oh, God. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty intense. It's a very rare situation. Yeah. But like a lot of equipment in uh, emergency services you might not use it every day but when you do use it yeah you need to to be competent and that's what drills are for yeah that's drills so when i was a ladder driver every single shift i i got the ladders to work right so i'd take them out to locations tricky locations mm. now what happens is um and i i find this really very fascinating again using that word that i i use a lot but um, what you can do with ladders, they've got what are called safety limits. So with all big cranes, you can use them within a safe range and then at a certain point, an alarm goes off. Now, I want you to listen quite intently to this because it's, for me, yeah. pretty amazing. Okay. The ladders that we used to use were made in Germany. Precision engineering, pretty great. And they're unusual in that, like with cranes, for example, you're not allowed to ride the load. There was a time in the early 60s, late 60s, early 70s, where uh, they were called dogmen. They used to ride the load. Oh, you would sit on the thing. Basically attached to the hook yep. in a basket or just in a rope. Mm. And they'd have one leg in the rope. I mean, and they just... Crazy. It's phenomenal yep. and, and dangerous. But ladders are different. We realize that they have to have human beings attached to them. Mm. So in an extreme situation, imagine if you needed to create a bridge for people to climb across. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get to a certain angle with ladders, the alarms start going off. They warn the operator that you are getting into really, really dangerous territory. In other words, you might end up tipping the entire, the whole thing could turn over. Sure. But in some really, really serious situations, and I can't overstress the significance and the, the, the gravity of what I'm about to say, and that is that you can go beyond the designer's specifications yeah you can override and then you push it beyond and beyond and at a certain point another alarm goes off and then you've reached kind of no man's land where you override you can actually press a lever to override all the built-in safety things and it will keep extending beyond but the problem is once you do that yeah from an electronic and pneumatic and all the engineering perspectives, it's not going to allow you to rehouse the ladders. Oh, shit. You've actually taken them into no man's land. Now, the designer cleverly realizes that there could be a situation where you've got to throw all the rules out of the book. You've got to go above and beyond because that's the one opportunity you may have to save people. Yeah. So I've actually extended the ladders at ladder school and mm. I used to do it occasionally by myself and it was one of those sphincter oscillating moments. You thought, what the fuck am I doing? And you'd extend it so far and then you manually had to retrieve, had to 
house the ladders, which meant basically getting down and winding mm. them back because all the electronics and all the pneumatics and hydraulics had basically shut down. No, it's, it's fascinating. That's crazy. Did you? Um, I know obviously there's photos of you in the you know, gunner's seat, as I'm calling it for some reason. Mm. Uh, did you ever switch places and go up the ladder? Yeah, regularly. But every shift, you'd be either the driver. Interesting. So if you're the driver, you're yeah. the guy that operates the ladders. If you're the passenger, you're yep. the guy that goes up. And um, would you like to relay to listeners uh, what it was like to actually go up? It was... I've been up over the ocean. Like, we've set the ladders up over a cliff. In fact, there's a photograph that the listeners might be able to check out that we'll organise. Mm. Um and it gives you an idea of how high these ladders are. Like you can, it, it's so high, and when you're at the top, you feel as though you're a normal-sized human being. Yeah. Hundreds of feet up, looking down on a tiny, tiny children's toy, and it is very disconcerting. And you really need to have faith in your equipment. Yeah. Like skydiving, mm. you need to know that the equipment is going to. To, to save you. Yeah. And um, What's yeah, it? it's, 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 look, I'm not afraid of heights. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've done um, skydiving, as you know, and, um, you know, but I can still look over a balcony. Yep. And get that weird feeling. Yep. I probably would feel safer being outside of the balcony on ladders than being on the balcony looking now, over. Why is that? Because I feel comfortable up high. So I can, I can climb ladders and feel really, really comfy. That's bonkers. I can't do that. What's it, Okay, so we, the ladder is covered. I think we've done the ladder. But what's it like actually driving something that big at high speed through, for example, the Sydney CBD? Um, well, I've done that many, many times. Mm. And um, here's, a, uh, here's an interesting fact about the ladders that I used to drive. I don't know whether they still employ this particular technique, but mm. it's called a Telmar Retarder. And what it is, it's a series of electromagnets that actually operate directly onto the drive shaft. And it's a tiny, tiny little lever, like smaller than in the indicators on a, on a, on a sedan. Mm. So when you're driving along and you're doing, say, let's say you're doing 90 or 100 kilometers an hour in these ladders, and they're very, very heavy. Yeah. And then you have to stop really, really quickly because you're under siren. You're trying to get somewhere very, very quickly, uh, obviously, as safely as possible. Yeah. And you come into a, a, an intersection and there might be a car that suddenly stops in front of you because some people, when you're under siren, they see a, an engine behind, they panic. Sometimes they don't move over to the left or to the right. They just stop. And uh, you need to stop really, really quickly. So what you do is you have this tiny little lever. I'm not sure whether they still use it. I'd like to know. Yeah. And they flick it, or we would control it, and it had it was numbered one to five. And you just move it slightly, and these incredible magnets would come and just literally and beautifully stop the the ladders. We didn't have exhaust brakes. <clears throat> have you ever heard trucks when they're coming down hills? The they hissing? Make that no, no, not the hissing. That very, very loud noise. That's one of the problems if you live on a sort of main road and trucks use their exhaust brakes, where they're reversing or <clears throat> sort of re sending some of the exhaust into the braking system, but it's very loud. Mm. But we we had this system with the <clears throat> the magnets. Basically, yeah, I, but I think it would be a very expensive system to right. employ okay. on, on normal trucks. But someone can, you know, if they've got more info on that. Fortunately, I was always well-trained. It's like one of those bits of equipment that's rarely used, right. but it has to be there. But some of my colleagues at Manly Fire Station, they went to a job that was particularly horrendous where... 
a tree lopper, yep. which is a really, really dangerous job. They were um, lopping trees, uh, and the trees were at least 100 feet high, mm. which is very high. And um, one of the uh, the tree loppers up the top, he somehow or other something snapped, and a piece of wire came up, and um, all his mates were down at the bottom of the tree having breakfast, and he was up the top. And this wire came up, shot up, something broke, and um, it cut his head off. And his head fell 100 feet, basically to their laps. But the body was still stuck. The the top, you know, the rest of him was stuck, stuck up in the tree where he was. And the ladders had to go out there and they had to extend the ladders to retrieve uh, the, his torso minus the head. So that's a job where the ladders would be well used. That's really upsetting. Mm. It's weird how often in this show bodies are relieved of their heads. Mm. Happens a lot. It does. But tree lopping is a tremendously dangerous um, occupation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Um, but uh, here's another thing I, I wanted to mention. Um, I always found that the ladders were underutilized. Like we learned a lot of things at ladder school, amazing things where you could use the ladders in all these very creative ways. And I used to find it a bit frustrating that the ladders were underutilized by the brigade. And I'm not sure whether they still are underutilized. But here's here's an example of something really, really great that they could be used for and should have been used for. And that is that at a car accident when a vehicle or a truck is on its side mm. and the paramedics have to get in and the fireys and work on the bodies that are still alive or extricate dead bodies, yeah. sometimes the vehicle is on its side or it could be leaning and it could be really, really dangerous and there could be a fear of collapse. And they chock the car up. But what they can do is they can use the ladders and they can actually tie off ropes from the tip of the ladders to the vehicle to hold it up. To make it safe so it won't fall. Now, I never saw that happen in real life, but that was part of our training at the college. Gotcha. Okay. And so we learned a lot of amazing things at the college that we never ever got to really put into practice. I'm not sure what the story is with uh, aerial appliances in Australia now, but mm. I would imagine that they're still probably underutilized. Well, if anyone listening to Loose Units at Home uh, either works in the fire brigade or knows people who do and has heard of you know, ladders being used for things that, you know, they could be used for but aren't, then please let us know. Head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, hot stuff coming through. Uh, the stories about dad's time as a New South Wales firefighter. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't forget to head across to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends, and we'll see you next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com